one of the greatest anticipations of being in heaven is that we will always be fully and completely aware of God's presence wherever we are in his kingdom. To experience that all the time because our natures will be changed because the distractions, the things that hinder us from understanding God and his presence and his work in our life will be, will be removed. And today, um, the subject of heaven or of paradise is really what I want to look at. I'm going to be looking at this from the book of Ezekiel, chapter 47. I told you as we started this series in Ezekiel, we just picked spots here and there. We weren't going to do every chapter, every verse. And uh, I might come back later on and, and, and do some one-time sermons out of Ezekiel, but this is the end of the series today. We're going to close it off with this passage from Ezekiel 47. Now, this passage is one that's open to a lot of different interpretations. I'm giving you mine, but hey, we've just been told that God is like a Dr. Pepper, so just go with me here, okay? If we've gone with that, we can... I, I believe that this is about heaven. I want to invite you in honor and reverence for the reading of God's word to please stand at this time as we read Ezekiel chapter 47 verses 1 through 12. And please follow along in your own copy of God's word or on the screen. In my vision, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple. And there I saw a stream flowing east from beneath the door of the temple and passing to the right of the altar on its south side. The band brought me outside the wall through the north gateway and led me around the eastern entrance. And there I could see water flowing out through the south side of the east gateway. Measuring as he went, he took me along the stream for 1,750 feet and then led me across. The water was up to my ankles. He measured off another 1,750 feet and led me across again. And this time the water was up to my knees. After another 1,750 feet, it was up to my waist. Then he measured another 1,750 feet, and the river was too deep to walk across. Deep enough to swim in, but too deep to walk through. And he asked me, have you been watching, son of man? Then he led me back along the riverbank, and when I returned, I was surprised by the sight of many trees growing on both sides of the river. And then he said to me, this river flows through the desert into the valley of the Dead Sea. The waters of this stream will make the salty waters of the Dead Sea fresh and pure. There will be swarms of living things wherever the water of this river flows. Fish will abound in the Dead Sea, for its waters will become fresh Life will flourish wherever this water flows. Fishermen will stand all along the shores of the Dead Sea, all the way from the Engedi to the, the En Egalame. The shores will be covered with nets drying in the sun. Fish of every kind will fill the Dead Sea just as they fill the Mediterranean. But the marshes and the swamps will not be purified. They will still be salty. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow along both sides of the river. The leaves of these trees will never turn brown and fall, and there will always be fruit on their branches. And there will be a new crop every month, for they are watered by the river flowing from the temple. The fruit will be for food, and the leaves for healing. Let's pray. God, thank you for the wor your word. Thank you for the hope that we have 
in your son Jesus Christ. That through repentance from sin and faith in him, we might enter into a relationship with you. We might receive eternal life that begins the moment that we believe. But Lord, we are thankful that it is culminated, that it is really fulfilled in the afterlife when we see the complete effects of all of the things, the good things that you have in store for those of us who love you. God, help us to be filled with hope and encouragement and excitement for what you have ahead for us. We pray and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. I remember very distinctly when I had just uh, moved to Decatur, Mississippi in the year 2000. I wanted to get to know my neighbors, and uh, I walked next door, and I did get to know them very, very well. Um, uh, the man's name was Joe. In fact, we got so close that in later years, my children called him Papa Joe. We got that close. But I went over to, to see Joe, and you're trying to make conversation when you just meet someone. You, you don't know a lot about them. Things are awkward. And, and I look up, and there's this beautiful magnolia tree in his yard. And I say, Joe, that's incredible. That is a beautiful tree. And he said, yeah, it's great if you want to rake leaves all year round. That was his take on the magnolia tree. It was a pain in the neck for him to constantly rake leaves. And so as I was reading this passage, you know, I'll admit, Ezekiel's interesting. I don't always just read it one time. Oh, that's exactly what that's saying. I read it and read it and read it and pray and say, God, what's going on here? But when I came to that passage about the, there not being any brown leaves, them being green all the time, I said, surely this is heaven. Because I want to say I hate raking. Not only that, you think, well, Tim, there's leaf blowers. We're modern, we're advanced. Give me a, any type of leaf blower you got, I hate it too. I mean, think about it. The gas leaf blowers, man, they got power, but they stink. And those two-cycle engines, that you have to mess with them, and you have to remember what to do with them, and, and parts wear out and gum up. Well, I, I'll just get a battery operated. The batteries run out before you're done. I'll get a corded one. The cord's getting snagged and hung up. Whatever you do, taking care of leaves is no fun. And so I'm thinking this has got to be heaven, right? So I want us to think about this passage. It's an amazing picture. There starts this, this little trickle, this little stream in this vision underneath the gates of the temple, underneath the doorway, and it flows, and, and somehow uh, it doesn't tell us that there's any more rivers or streams or tributaries joining into it to make it larger, but somehow it gets larger and larger and wider and deeper, and it goes from his ankles to his knees to his waist to over his head. And as he looks and as he sees, Ezekiel's being guided. This guide is showing him how this river grows and expands. All of a sudden, he's like, wow, look at the life. These trees are lining the way. And he sees all these amazing trees. And he realizes that the Dead Sea, and it's known that because nothing can live in this thing pretty much. I mean, not any normal type of fish or anything. Maybe some bacteria lives in there. But, you know, the, the seawater, say out in the ocean, that might be a 5 or 6% salinity. But this is like 5 or 6 times that. You can go and float in the Dead Sea. Just, just lay back and you float in all that salt water and sediment. It's, it's really nasty, I can tell you. But it's an experience. If you go over there, you want to do it. You want to check it out. 
But he sees this, he sees all of these different things. And I want us to think about from this imagery, what do we know, what can we think about or anticipate about heaven, or I say paradise. And because if you really, if you compare it, a lot of this it's similar to two places in the Bible. It's similar to Genesis where you see the Garden of Eden. A lot of the imagery is very similar. And it's also similar to Revelations toward the very end. Much of John's revelation is very similar to what Ezekiel says. Three things I want us to notice here. Number one, the fish are always biting in heaven. The fish are always biting in heaven. Isn't that amazing? Can I get an amen from the fishermen? Is there an amen? Come on. All right, all right. Everybody knows fishing is awesome on a good day. But if you've ever gone fishing on a day that the fish aren't biting, all you're getting is a sunburn. You're not getting anything else. It's a miserable experience. Just sitting out there, nothing happening. But here the Bible says every time they go out to throw their nets, there, he says, all along the shore, you can't see anything but nets, and there's all fish in them. And, and, and that's an interesting way to fish, by the way. If you've, you know, we're, we're typically, we think about, you know, a Zipco 33 going out there, or you might have some more serious gear. That's, that's about my level, though. There's a little Zebco 33, or, or maybe you set a line across a river. I did a lot of that when I was a kid. We'd live close to the Chuticabuff River, and we'd pull it up, and those big old catfish would scare me. But, it, you know, it was fun. But one of the things about growing up uh, in, in Biloxi is that uh, occasionally we could go down um, and, and my older brother would take me down to the beach and, and we'd go throw that net for mullet. And I remember he'd teach me, he'd say, now just slide your feet, don't step, because I didn't want to step on top of a stingray and it come back like this. But he'd say, slide your feet and we'd throw that net and, and, and we'd catch some mullet, but some, some other things too. In fact, uh, going to high school in Biloxi was pretty interesting at that time. My favorite class of all time was marine biology because the high school was one block from the beach. And Mr. McCann would take us, he'd say, come on, class, we're going down to the beach. And we'd go down there, and instead of looking at some old dusty book, she'd get a couple of us guys wade out there and throw the net. And we'd throw the net, and then she'd, we'd bring it in. And then we would identify, well, this is this type of fish, and this is this type of little crab, or this type of little creature. I mean, that's the way to do science, folks, if you want to do science. And I remember how fun that was. And I kind of get this picture here of, you know, they just go out fishing and every day is a good day. And, you know, you, you would think, is this real? But it's heaven. So they're not lying. They're not telling these fishermen stories in heaven. It really was as good as they said it was. The fish are always biting. What does that tell us? It tells us that in paradise, in heaven, Work is always rewarded. Now, that's an amazing thing to know. And y'all are like, work? What do you mean, work? But hang with me. You know, we were created to do and to go. We were not created to just sit. I mean, there's sometimes we have to rest. There's sometimes we have illness and we can't do. But we were created to be active creatures. We, we were created to do and to accomplish. And I don't believe that's going to be taken away from us in heaven. In heaven, we're going to be able to do and accomplish in eternity. But here's the thing. The frustrating, aggravating parts of work. Think about your job. You might be in a terrible one and you're looking for something else. But most of us, if we found a career, we like it. But if, you, if someone says, do you like your job? Sure. But if they said, now what do you not like? You're going to be able to tell them parts of things that don't work out right, that are aggravating, that are frustrating. But I believe in the afterlife. 
When we are doing what God created us to do, he's going to know. And by the way, at that point, our personalities and our skills and our passions will be perfectly matched toward exactly what we do in eternity. I believe the work will be fulfilling because the frustration is gone because work will go without the curse of sin on this world that the Bible tells us it didn't just affect our spiritual nature. The Bible tells us all of creation is groaning because of the way that sin has affected this world. But without that, our work will always be rewarded. And that's an, that's an awesome thing because, you know, we tell people, hey, we tell our kids work hard and they'll be rewarded. And that is generally true. But there's times in life where we've all worked really, really hard for something and it didn't work out. And that's frustrating and even embittering at times. But in the afterlife, for those who are believers, work will always be rewarded. Secondly, I want us to, to see, to notice that fresh fruit is always available for the picking. Now, I don't know if you've noticed this, if you were aware of this, but about three or four weeks ago, there was what I called the great strawberry famine of 2018, okay? And I say that because one day... We went to shop. We went to Kroger's. There were no strawberries. What's, what's up with this? Where are my strawberries? I like my fresh strawberries. Well, okay, Walmart will have some strawberries, right? So we go to Walmart, that dreaded place. They, I entered there for no reason because they didn't have strawberries. In fact, I could not find strawberries anywhere in the city of Columbus. It was a terrible day. I know my life's really bad, right? I couldn't find strawberries. But, I, you know, I just had them. I wanted strawberries so bad that day. And I thought about that when I read this passage because, you know, we, we are kind of coddled and kind of spoiled in this world to get, get whatever we want whenever we want it. But, but there is a difference between that fruit you get from the store when it's in season or when it's, you know, the rest of the year they're giving it to you because I know you'll buy it, but it's just not fresh. I mean, think about, I know as a child going up to grandma and grandpa's, one of the, that long, horrible trip, you know, but there was those fresh fruit stands. And when you see those, you get excited. And whatever your favorite fruit is, whether it's Smith County watermelons or Chilton County peaches or whatever that you just love being fresh and tasty and it's so good, that's heaven. That's heaven. Because it says that, that every month there's a new crop of fresh fruit. I imagine you filled yourself, and this is wonderful. And just before you're about to get tired of this fruit, it's the next amazing fruit, better and fresher than you've ever tasted it before. Fresh fruit is always there, ripe for the picking. I believe that tells us that in heaven there's always something new and exciting. There's always something fresh on the horizon. If, if we're honest, as much as we say as Christians, oh, I can't wait to get to heaven. I'm going to see Jesus. I, I'm, I'm going to see my loved ones. And we are all excited about that. Hopefully you are. Honestly, a lot of Christians, if you talk to them, there's kind of parts of heaven that they're kind of, oh, I don't know about this. You know, it's, there's it sounds kind of boring, you know, and we've made up these images in our mind that aren't scriptural, but we think, well, I'm going to be floating on a cloud, wearing my toga, playing my harp, you know. <laughs> I mean, or we think it's like one of those funerals you go to where 
Somebody thought it was a great idea to have five preachers, and you know, it just goes on and on. And, you know, oh, we're going to worship God for all of eternity, <laughs> you know. And we get these images. We're worried: is heaven going to be? I know it's going to be spiritual, and I'm going to like it because I'm going to have to be, and I'm perfect and stuff. But is it really going to be boring? Is it just going to stretch on and on the same thing? Are we going to, you know, these people complain about the praise songs singing the same thing seven times? What about seven hundred times? You know, are we going to get really sick? Of, of all this worship that's supposed to be great in heaven. Well, no. I believe that although our, our, our whole lives will be acts of worship, I believe that there will be new and exciting and fresh things all throughout our time in eternity. If you look at the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, over and over again, God talks about new He's the God of new beginnings. He says, sing a new song unto the Lord. Over and over, he's the God of second chances. He's the God of new things. And so we can see, we can look forward to heaven being an endless adventure. I love C.S. Lewis and his Chronicles of Narnia books. And in the last book, he talks about upward and outward, higher and higher. As it heaven being pictured as an ongoing adventure that only gets better and better and never, ever ends. There's always something new and exciting. The third and final picture I want us to think about is that drugs go on, grow on trees. Drugs grow on trees in heaven. Now, isn't this interesting? That raises a lot of questions, right? Now, if I said medicines, that doesn't sound quite as exciting, but that's kind of what it's saying there. But if you look and compare this to Revelation, it really is beyond just physical because there the idea talks about the leaves of the trees being for the healing of the nations. The idea is that everything, every issue and problem and struggle that we've had, every scar on our heart, it's all going to be tended to. It's all going to be healed. It's all of the problems and the nagging things, stuff we only know about, things that, that happen to us that nobody else knows about. God knows, and God will heal those things. And not only the things within us, but the things outside of us, our relationships in heaven will all be healed. Those relationships which were strained, which were broken, those will be healed. Every problem in heaven will have a solution, or a better way I would say it rather than problems, every challenge has a solution in heaven. You know, you and I can sit here and we can talk about heaven and we can say, but what about this? But what about this? And, you know, if you have one of those kind of challenging minds, you can point things out and you're like, but, and we can worry ourselves to death. Will I really be happy? Will it really be this wonderful? But the idea is, that solutions for any problem we have, healing is available within arm's reach. And by the way, we as perfect creatures at that point, when we've left our sinful nature behind, we will be able to use without abusing. I remember when we were on our trip to Belize, we were about the middle of the week down there, and, and uh, I started feeling this feeling, and I'm like, oh, no, oh, no. <laughs> strep throat. <laughs> Here I am. I'm overseas. I'm like, I don't know about the quality of the medical care. I don't know what's going to happen here, you know. And, and, and 
who do I see? What doctor do I go to? And, 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 but we had seen this place, and I want to say a pharmacy, but it was kind of interesting because it said uh, drugs and poisons. <laughs> that made me a little bit nervous, just to be honest. But I said, you know, let me just try. Let me see. And so we got transportation there, and I walked in. I said, hey, you guys got a Z-Pack? And they're like, hmm. She says, hmm, I don't know. Let's see. And she asked the other one, do we have this? And, and she brought it, and I took it, and I looked at it, and it was exactly the same as what I get here. And uh, she said, yes, that'll be $12. Now, I want you to think how amazing that was. I didn't go see a doctor. I didn't have to pay a copay or have a drug insurance card or anything like that. I just walked up, can I have a Z-Pack? Yes, sir, $12, and boom, the next day that throat was all healed up and it was all gone. And that's wonderful if it's done correctly, but you know what I also heard was that there, especially like maybe some, some uh, expats, some folks that move from their country to go live there, they can get hooked on drugs real easy because if it's that easy to walk in and give me some medicine, we don't always control ourselves well in, in, in life, and so we can get addicted to different substances or activities. But there is obviously something, part of our sinful nature that gives in to, to addictions and to problems. There's not going to be any Gamblers Anonymous in heaven. There's not going to be any AA in heaven because all of these addictions and such will be gone. We'll be able to use things as they should be used. I want us to just realize, and, and we, could, we could look at a lot more details. I mean, there's really cool stuff in here about, you know, the fresh water, but then the, the marshes stay salty. Why is that? Because they have a great salt trade down there, and so there's still going to be salt. Salt in heaven. Heart patients, where are you at? It's going to be great. There's going to be salt in heaven, all right? So, it, it, you know, there's just amazing things here, but the whole point I want you to get is, that eternity is something to look forward to. It is something that we can't even imagine how good it's going to be. Take the best day of your life, whether you accomplished something or celebrated something or whatever it is, and that can't compare to the time you'll have in heaven. So if you're worried, kind of like some folks, they're kind of worried about retirement because they're like, what am I going to do? And you don't want to be one of those folks that sits on a couch and watches the tube and goes down. And a lot of people think of heaven like that. I'm just going to sit there for all of eternity and I'll, I'll see my loved ones, but then what? No, 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 no. God has a paradise, a heaven in store for those who love him. And folks, make sure that you know him because it is only for those who have come to God through Jesus Christ. You've repented of your sins and trusted Christ for your salvation. But if you've done that, if you're in a relationship with God, he's got something for you that is beyond your wildest dreams. It's not boring. It's not repetitive. It's not endless monotony in a toga party. It is being with God and with your loved ones, but it is doing the things that God made you to do, the things that bring you joy and fulfillment and adventure. That is what heaven is like. And it's something that here and now, while we're definitely not in heaven, sometimes we say, hey, why did this happen to me? Because you're not in heaven. 
It's not heaven yet. That's why we have problems and struggles and diseases and heartbreak because we're on earth where God's will is not yet completely done. That's why we pray, God, may your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. But one day when we get to that place where God's will is perfectly done, then life will be perfect. And so when we live in this not so perfect world we're in right now, we have hope and strength and perseverance. We don't borrow trouble, the Bible says, but we can borrow hope. We can borrow faith. We can look forward to what we're going to have. And we can use it as strength and resolve and guidance to live in this world that we live in today. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, I thank you that this life is not all that it is. Lord, there's some good stuff, and we, we give you praise and thanks for the good stuff in the world. But, Lord, we also know that there's a lot of bad stuff because this world has been scarred and marred by the curse of sin. And, Lord, we thank you that you created us to long for eternity. You created us to, to know that there's something better. We yearn for something more and that yearning will not be unfulfilled forever, but there is a day in which those of us who trust and believe in you, God, that will be fulfilled. Onward and upward, the adventure that never ends. Father God, may we long for that day and may we live our lives today to honor and please you so that when we enter that next life, God, you'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. God, you will have amazing opportunities and tasks for us as you bless us as we've been faithful to you. Lord, help us to never fall into the lie of the devil that heaven is something boring, that it's something that would not be fulfilling. Recognize, help us recognize those lies and help us live for the truth and help us tell others about the amazing things you have in store for all those who believe. God, we pray and we ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.